Episode 28 of Season 12 of the GNU World Order. Hey everyone, this is Klaatu, and in this episode I want to, it's going to be a quick one, it's going to be a quick episode, I just want to talk about some feedback that I got about Guile, uh, well about Lua really, but it was, it ended up being about Guile, and then a quick note about the Linux kernel and upgrading it and packaging it for an upgrade. So the first thing that I mentioned was this feedback that I got about the Lua episode, about what, two episodes back now? I, I did the seven reasons you should be using Lua, and and IceCream95 on Mastodon, which I'm assuming this guy is 95 years old and really likes ice cream, uh, he, says, he said on Mastodon, um, actually, I'm sorry, it's IXN is his Mastodon username, but his the little, I don't know how it works on Mastodon, you have got your, you've got your little name and then you've got the, the, the name. So, IX, at IXN on Mastodon says that there are eight good reasons for, well, he didn't actually say reasons. He says eight reasons you should be using Scheme, specifically the Guile implementation. So this was kind of, this is interesting. So one, imperative programming and anonymous functions. So that's got, that's got that too, huh? Number two, coming soon. Guile uh, or Guild uh, Package Manager. So that's a little bit of a cheat, I'm afraid, because coming soon doesn't mean that it, you know, I mean, that's coming soon. I mean, that could never happen. Who knows? We don't know. But um, it sounds exciting, and I'm sure it will be very good, because I've, I've only ever heard good things about Guile. So predictable, oh, number three, predictable syntax. Uh, and the example here would be, for instance, define I, well, parenthesis, define I, and then space one, close parenthesis, and then parenthesis, when parenthesis equals, I one close parentheses space apostrophe hi close parentheses and that results in for instance the word hi so because I has been defined to equal one so it's when equals I one so the syntax is a little bit a little bit backwards feeling but you kind of get used to it I mean I'm not I'm, I'm speaking sort of theoretically here but just speaking from my experience with uh, elisp that's that's pretty similar to what I'm seeing here so parentheses unless uh, parentheses less than i one parentheses hash t close parentheses and then it says hash t this guy is clearly a programmer because his examples use random things like hi and hash t but yeah so it, that that seems pretty nice that i like that that that, that seems cool um, the scoping with parentheses a lot of people sort of get annoyed at that it seems you know they they say things like oh you know lisp and elisp and and, and guile with all the parentheses you just get so confused and i I've never really understood that, to be honest, because other other programming languages use curly brackets or braces, whatever they're called, and, and you don't get confused with that. And, and just because people write it all in one line doesn't mean you have to do it. Like, if you prefer to write it on separate lines and use tabs or something to, to make it more visually clear what's going on, then you're free to do that. It's just normal scoping. I, I've never understood that complaint. So anyway, uh, four, arrays, dicts, tables, and arrays of arrays are out, mostly. Pairs are in. I know nothing about guile pairs. I will have to investigate that. Sounds intriguing. I am intrigued. Five, tabs are optional. Good, good. I like that. C, C bindings. So hooking up a game engine wouldn't be too hard. I'm afraid this is another one of those cheats. 
um, saying that Lua has love, or Python has uh, Pygame, or uh, I think the new the newest library around for that sort of thing is I think called Arcade. I mean, those are those are what's the expression? A, a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush, or something. Whatever. The, the point being that I mean they have those game engines. So kind of selling someone on Guile because it wouldn't be too hard to use C bindings to hook up some game engine. That that's a little bit of a cheat. But I'll I'll accept it. I will accept it. So seven, GUI frameworks. Uh, he fails to list those frameworks, but I, I believe him when he says there are GUI frameworks. Uh, this was, after all, a, a post on Mastodon, so it's not like he had a whole lot of room to like email me or something. Uh, and then eight, used by the Geeks package manager. And I've heard a lot of cool things about Geeks, and I'm excited to try it sometime. I keep meaning to try to, to just sort of delve into that, and I really haven't. So I don't know. That's um, that's an exciting little list. It really is. I've I keep hearing people just really excited about Guile and doing lots of cool things in it, and and I do hope to sort of delve into that at some point, and I, and I probably probably will. It's just a matter of of finding a project, you know, to try it out in. Okay, so that was great. Thank you very much, IceCream95 slash at IXN on Mastodon. That was a very cool list, and uh, I love hearing from people who are trying out exciting new things. All right, now next, uh, let's do a segue music first. Here we are on the other side of the music. Okay, so I want to talk about kernel packaging, and it's it's not that big of a deal. It sounds like a big topic. I think there's a there's this weird kind of um, gravity to whenever you talk about a kernel. Part of that gravity, I think, is because most of us don't really know what a kernel is. I mean, not not on a deep and intimate level, we don't understand what what a kernel does. And another part of it is because the Linux kernel itself is such a, a big deal. Like in 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 the world of software, the fact that it exists at all is kind of amazing to people. But the other part of it, I think, is that we just, we, we think that it's it's really kind of dangerous and a scary place to mess around with. And, and I guess it is, because it, it could make your computer not start. And if, if you're really, if you're doing this poorly, then you could upgrade yourself out of a bootable computer, that sort of thing. So there is a gravity to the kernel, but at the same time, we, the, you know, and there sh- maybe there should be a little bit of gravity, but I mean, there shouldn't be a mysticism, right? I mean, it's just a kernel. It's not that big of a deal. Don't worry. So kernel kernel compiling, compiling your own kernel, as I have said in the past, ever since 2.8 point, uh, what was it? I used to have this memorized. I think it's 2.8.38. Ever since the, the, the big real low latency patch of 2.8.38 or whatever it was, I, I don't really compile a custom kernel all that much anymore because all the low latency stuff that I needed for multimedia, I just get it for free now. And so whatever Slackware puts in front of me, I just use it until the the next thing that Slackware puts in front of me, whether it's a security update or whether it's an upgrade to my whole operating system. But the other day I just thought, well, I haven't upgraded a kernel in a while. I haven't compiled a kernel in a while. So whether it's because I just am bored, never really bored, but whether or not I'm procrastinating or whether it's because I want to make sure that I'm, well, I mean, I had all the security updates, so that's not really it, but maybe just keep in practice. I decided to upgrade my kernel. So I downloaded from kernel.org the two dot not two, <laughs> 4.17.4 kernel and uh, compiled it. And then I kind of thought, well, you know what, if I'm, if I'm doing this for just for fun and for practice, then, or to, you know, to stay in practice, maybe I should find
finally look into packaging up a kernel for myself. You might think, what do you mean packaging up a kernel for yourself? Well, when you compile a kernel, when you custom compile a kernel, a lot of, honestly, a lot, for, for years now, all I have done is I, I, I compile the thing and then I copy. So once you, the steps really quickly, I, I've done this in the past, in past episodes, so I'm not going to go into it in great detail now. And if you really do want the, the gory details, you can go to, well, lots of different places, really, but certainly I'm going to suggest slackermedia.info, go to the handbook, go to low latency kernel, and it will tell you all the details of compiling a kernel for yourself. So really quickly, I you know, you download the source, then you copy your working.config file from your slack, from your kernel source directory into your current, your, your new, the one that you're about to compile source directory. Then you do a make menu config, you add any kind of little options to your kernel that you might need. For me, most importantly, that's file system support because I'm running JFS on most of my Slackware computers. So and and ButterFS on on my desktop as I recently rediscovered. So you do that and then you do the make BZ image with a capital I and then you do a make modules and then you go have a cup of coffee and then you do make modules install and then after all so that's the that's the whole compiling thing. After you're done and you grab the the BZ image from the correct architecture subdirect of what you've just done and copy it to your slash boot folder as vm linux vm l i n u z and you also copy the system map to slash boot and then you, that's it you're done well then you go to lilo and edit lilo to make sure that it's pointing to the the latest and greatest kernel image that, that you want to actually use and then you run lilo so that it updates itself and then you can reboot if you want so that's that's the typical workflow and and i've always done it that way because the kernel upgrades aren't really something that i do that frequently like i'll i'll do the custom compi com compilation and then uh, and then i just that's it that's my kernel for the rest of that OS, that that operating system's uh, life cycle uh, or if i upgrade it after that for some reason like maybe there's been some big security thing announced and i i decide okay well I'll go just grab. I don't usually, if I'm custom compiling, then if there's a reason to replace something, I don't really update it. I just go and get the late, the, the newest stable uh, version. So, and, and then I, I would just rinse and repeat. And, and I would do that because it's really only the, the, it's not that big of a deal in terms of deliverables. You know, it's it's a one VM Linux image, which is the thing that the computer loads when you're booting up, uh, that little system map, and then a folder of, of modules. But, but all of that stuff, once you do it, in other words, it's, it's fairly static. It just sits there for a long, long time. Unlike something like, I don't know, something that you might compile for your FF... What, what do I compile more frequently? I, I actually don't know. The more I'm thinking about it, the, the less I, I can think of a good example. But but there are things out there that you may want, you know, you, you want up updates more often and more frequently. And that's the kind of thing where, where, where having the package makes it cleaner because then you can say, hey, that version, get rid of everything that came along with that version. Everything in that version is listed in the package and so it's very easy to go out and find all the components in a package and then get rid of them or, or upgrade them with a new component or whatever needs to happen but it's very complete because there is a package and if you don't make a package then it's not it's not so easy anymore because you think ah what what you know what, what was it that, that I installed when I compiled that thing it gets pretty complex so that's the advantage of packaging that's why people say oh you shouldn't compile from source 
you should install everything from a package, and if you compile from source, you should package it first. Not so sure if that's really that necessary with a kernel, because like I say, there's just not that much delivered with the kernel itself. But I'm going to talk about what, what does need to happen in order to package up a kernel, because it is surprisingly small. There's not a whole lot of work to be done here, at least on a Slackware system. And then I'm going to address other systems at the very end. So just so that you can witness the beauty of the simplicity that is Slackware, the kernel package that ships with Slackware in the A package set consists literally of five files. Five. That's it. There's the system map. There's the config file. There's the VM Linux image itself. And that's the, those are the deliverables. Three deliverables. And actually, the config is kind of extra if you really think about it. Like that's not actually being used by your computer on a daily basis. And then the the two additional files is a one file called doinst.sh. Doinst meaning do installation. And this is a a convention or a function of install pkg, the Slackware program that uh, command that that installs a package. Um, after it copies all the files in all the deliverable files in your package, if there is a doinst.sh script in the package, then that script gets run at the end. So that's just that's something that happens. And then there's a Slackware description, which is the Slackware description is just the human readable description of a package. So it's it's literally I think it's like probably about eight lines uh, at the most of text, and it just it describes itself. For instance, this one says it says kernel generic, a general purpose single processor Linux kernel, a Linux kernel with built-in support for most disk controllers, for file system support, or if you need to load support for a SCSI or other controller, then you'll need blah blah blah. So that's all that is. So that's kind of a throwaway file as well. So really, if we're looking at it, the kernel package is three files, system map, VM Linux, and then the install script. So let's take a real quick look at the install script, because that's the actually, that's the interesting one. That's kind of where all the action actually happens. So what, what does happen here is after the files are copied to their location, this little install script removes the VM Linux dash generic, which is a sim link, I believe, and then it links the VM Linux dash generic dash 4.4.14 to VM Linux dash generic. Oh, that's right. So the first one that it removed is just sort of a just in case it already exists type of thing. Uh, and then it removes the config file and it places a new one in its place. It removes a system map and replaces it with a new one with a link. Uh, and then it removes the VM Linux and replace and and puts in a new one to to the new kernel. So in other words. All it does is it goes through the slash boot folder and looks at some some sim links that have been set up to point to you know whatever your computer is currently booting for, to, to right now, uh, and it, it it redirects those sim links to the thing that you have just installed. Pretty simple and pretty smart because that way you keep your old kernel, your old system app, your old config file, everything's kept. It's just the the sim links that are active and are being looked at right now by default have been redirected. And that's all. That's all there is to it. Now what this does not do is go into your Lilo uh, file and update that. So if you want to go into Lilo and update it such that it's pointing to, you know, so that it, it, it's still, it's obviously still pointing to VM Linux, right? Because that's just a sim link. Uh, but maybe you want to update it also so that just in case you screwed something up in your uh, kernel compilation, you've also got a fallback thing pointing to, you know, the, the former one. So VM Linux dash old dash 4.4.111 or, or whatever it would be. Um, or it would be VM Linux dash huge dash 4.4. Yeah, 4.4.11. 
Um, and you could do that, and then you run Lilo, and it, it upgrades, or it, it updates itself, and, and that's how it works. Pretty simple stuff. Um, so that's the package. That's packaging up the, the kernel, really, is, is just copying two files into a certain place and updating some symlinks. On Slackware, it's, it's really easy, because all you do is you put the, the deliverable files, so the system map and the VM linux in a boot directory, and then you put your do inst in an install directory, I think. Do you? I don't think so, actually. I think that, no, that is correct. Yeah, sorry. Um, and then you put both of those directories into something called, I don't know, my custom kernel directory. And then you go, you change directory into my custom kernel, and you do, you become root, and you do something uh, called make pkg. So make pkg dash ly dash c in my custom, or slash temp slash my custom kernel dash metadata dot tgz. Hit return, and the your current directory is wrapped up as a Slackware package and dumped into slash tmp ready for your install pkg or upgrade pkg command. It's really, really simple. And that's the beauty of Slackware packaging, is that the thing that you want to have happen is exactly what you do. You, you do the thing in a in a special little a clean room environment, and then you run make pkg, and it bundles it up, and then whenever you use install pkg or upgrade pkg, it's it's just making it, you know, it's 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 cutting out the middleman, and whatever your end goal was, well, there's a mirror of that in your little package, so it just applies that to your system. It's a beautiful, beautiful method of of working, and it's just so easy because if you know if you know enough to compile a software in the first place, then you know how to package something for Slackware. Like, no, no kidding. Um, and even if you, like, if you go to slackbuilds.org, they have templates. And, and the templates are important for them because the templates help them um, sort of review scripts because that, you know, it's, it's predictable, like, for their eyes, that they know that in this top section there's going to be the, the architecture detection stuff, and then right after that there's going to be uh, the other stuff, and, and you know, the compiling stuff, and then there's going to be the packaging of documentation, and then there's going to be the, the make package command, and then that's it. But, I mean, that's just a template, and, and if you're not, so not going to submit your thing to slackbuilds.org, then you don't, by any means have to follow that template. I usually do use their template as a starting point no matter what because it's just it's, it's easier that way. But I mean you can abuse the template all over the place if, if you don't need to, if you're not going to submit it to them. I mean even if you are going to submit it to them technically you could change it. I'm just saying like literally you can just you can make like a package based on just what you know of compiling something. And and I mean I'm talking about the template as if though you even have to make a file. You don't even have to make a build file. I mean it's it's often nice to do that for yourself because then you don't have to keep building the thing by hand all the time. But but if it's just a one-off thing, then yeah, you can just make your kernel, put put your deliverables into a certain file, and then make a package, and then you're done. Now the one thing I haven't talked about yet, which is significant, is are the kernel modules. Now the kernel modules, if you look at the package for those, you you, you have a pretty similar uh, setup. You have one directory and inside of that one directory, I mean the one directory being the, the package itself, right? So inside of that there's an install directory, which you probably can already guess is going to contain the doinst.sh and the slack-desc, the Slackware description. Now in the kernel modules uh, doinst.sh, it, it does something a little bit similar, plus one other really important thing. So the, the similar stuff is that it's going to symlink stuff. So uh, Slackware by default puts kernel sources in slash usr slash 
SRC. That's just where they, they put the kernel sources. If you install that at, at, at when, when you're installing your system. And all they do there is they remove the old source sim link and they link it to, you know, whatever you've just installed. So slash uh, ln-sf, s being sim link, f being force, uh, slash usr slash source slash linux dash 4.7.4, for instance, uh, and then source. And the same thing goes for build. And that's just kind of convention. It's really not necessary. I probably wouldn't necessarily even bother with that myself. But the one thing that you do have to do is uh, you have to do a debt mod command so that the modules are uh, pointing to the right uh, place. So their Linux kernel modules um, have these things. They're called symbols for other modules to use. And they use an export underscore symbol uh, function for this to work. So if a second module uses that symbol, then that second module depends on the first module, right? So this this dependency resolution of, of modules, so if you do a mod probe, you know, I don't know, foo, and there's a, there's a symbol in the foo module for bar, then you know that if you do a mod probe foo, then it's going to call bar. So for all that to get, sort of get resolved, there's this command called depmod. So that needs to get run in the doinst script once the once all the the modules get copied into place. And again, the the way that that Slackware packages work is that you are all you deliver to to the to to make PKG to make your package is a mirror of where you want it to end up on your file system. So in, in this case, it's simply uh, lib slash modules slash four dot seven seventeen dot four slash kernel or actually that would be the that would be all that you would do because everything else gets built in itself so after you do the make modules command when you're compiling your kernel you just grab the place where all that got copied to dump it into your 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 package to be and then you do your make you put your do inst script in there and then do your make pkg command and you're done that's it and then you can install the kernel modules and the kernel update lilo as needed and either reboot now or you know just wait till the next time you turn your computer on you're good to go so that's that's all there is to kernel packaging. It's super, super simple. At least it is on Slackware. And, and I guess that's where all of this is kind of headed in the end, is is the, a concern w within me that 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 is... I, I'm just looking at other Linux distributions, and I'm wondering whether or not they encourage or discourage people installing their own software. Th that hadn't really, really occurred to me as a thing until rather recently, maybe. But I, I've just kind of, you know, and I've done I've done Hacker Public Radio episodes on how to build an RPM. I've done Hacker Public Radio episodes on how to build a .deb file. I've done Hacker Public Radio on how to, I think, install from source code. I, I've done like packaging episodes, and and it's great when it when it when it works easily. But I I think the fact that there is no, at least that I know of. There is no sort of like, um, here, make this a package for me application. You know, there's no there's no application out there where you can just down you close your eyes, not really, but you know, you just download random package, just roll the dice, download the package that it tells you to download, and you drag that archive into like some little drop area, and then a little animation starts of little gears churning, little guy with a little hammer, you know, we're working on your package, and then pop, it's done, and it's it's just oh there it is, it's an RPM, or oh there it is, it's a deb or a TGZ or or whatever. I whatever I dialed into the settings 
There is no such thing that does that, right? The fact that there is no thing that does that, to me, says that there there's an element of unpredictability here. We're saying that we are not able to programmatically ensure that what, you know, the, that a user who is just wandering around on the great wide expanse that is the internet, they grab some code and they say, here, I've been told that this could be compiled on Linux. Make that happen for me. There is no, there is no make that happen for me. And I know that, that a lot of us are very experienced and very good at the things that we do, and we say, well, you shouldn't need something to do that for you. You should be able to just do the make, make, install, configure, make, install, configure thing. And that's great. That's fantastic, you know, if you are the person who can who can grab random source and then make a package out of that. But what if you're not? And I know that we don't we don't really in the Linux world, apparently, we don't like to think about that. You know, we don't like to think about the times where where something's not going to happen because it should happen and it can happen, so it should happen. But I mean I'm telling you, sometimes it doesn't happen. Because I'll give you an example, right? Just get rid of the theoreticals here. So there's a class that I volunteer at. I help people with learn technology in this in this class, this after school program. I volunteer, and there are teachers there who who are running the actual classes. I'm just there for support for backup. And it's fantastic if I'm around for backup, and they say they suddenly say, "Hey, I want to." I I suddenly realized I want to install processing, which is a, a little Java subset language. It, it's it's specially designed for a graphical sort of experience, you know, so f very quickly from some some simple Java code that, you, you know, that students can type in, you get an image from, from what you've just done. So you can design animations and little games and stuff like that very quickly. It's, it's, it's almost Python-esque. I mean, it's, it's a very rapid kind of development model, and it's, it's very good. People like it a lot. So let's say a teacher says, oh, I want to, you can find it at processing.org. Uh, the teacher says, oh, I want to install processing suddenly. I, I, I knew I had to do it. I forgot to tell you, um, but it needs to be done now. Well, if I'm there, then that's great. I can install processing, lickety-split, not a problem. And, and and by installing, actually, all I mean is grabbing processing, f the, the, the package from processing.org, putting it on the computer, and then um, un unzipping it, putting it in a, a, a sensible location, and then hand-rolling a .desktop file, processing.desktop or whatever I want to call it, and, and then integrating that into the system in whatever way it should be integrated, okay? So a fairly, by, by measure of complexity, of a usual, of, of, a, of, a, of a, oh my gosh, we need to install something on Linux, that's a pretty simple, that's, it's not as simple as, you know, opening the software center store and clicking on an icon and saying install, but it's pretty simple for, a, for someone who knows what they're doing, not a big deal. That said, if if I wasn't there, it would pre it would be pretty confusing. People wouldn't know what to do. They would go to processing.org. They would go through the maze of GUI menus, telling them that they should donate and all that other stuff. Download the thing finally, and so now they've got this thing. Well, if they have any experience with Linux, then they might think, okay, now I need to open this up in some kind of installation thing. So maybe I'll go to the software center thing and jig and try to. Well, it won't work because it's not an RPM. It's a .tgz or whatever or tar.gz or something. Okay, well, maybe I need to just unarchive it then, okay? So they unarchive it. Now what? Maybe they'll click on a file. Will it open up in Java? I don't know. W will it just work? Not sure. Is it installed yet? Not really. It's just a file that they now have sitting on their desktop, sort of hanging out. 
and but but that's going to be the integral part of the lesson for the next three weeks you know so it's it's a problem and and i think that if if you are going to people who who you're ostensibly liberating from software oppression and you're saying it's super easy to use you can use this system it's open source it's great and they say okay well i want to install something and your answer to them is well as long as i'm here physically on site i can help you install stuff and if not you can't install anything that's not freedom that's not liberating that's why would anyone want that in their life so if i'm looking at other linux distributions and I'm not seeing an easy way for for even just someone who's quite good at Linux, an easy way to package stuff up as needed. I see that as a big problem. And I see RPM and .deb and other formats not being really that easy to get into. Like, they're, they're, there's a pretty high barrier to entry in terms of what you need to learn. I mean, you really have to learn the system in order to package something up. I mean, I'm not too shabby at building RPMs, and yet I can't just sit down and roll up a quick RPM in, in a couple of minutes the way that I can with a Slack build. Whereas on uh, with a Slackware package, as long as you can build the software at all, then you you can package it. it. It's just one additional command, and that's what of course check install used to be. And I mean, I guess technically it still is, but I can't find. I haven't really been able to find check install by default anywhere lately. It, it doesn't seem to be a thing anymore. Uh, I, I'm, by default, I mean like in repositories. I can't really find it just hanging out anymore. It seems to have gone kind of seems to have sort of gone away, to be honest, and. It's, it's disturbing. I, I don't like it. I find it it not empowering. And and I keep thinking that the answer to this sort of problem is going to be something like app image and like a hybrid of, of, of like app image for the things that people can't figure out how to package, you know, for, for upstream people who can't figure out how to package something for Linux. They don't want to spend, they don't want to spend more than a day on it, probably. I mean, if, if, if they have to spend more than a day to figure out the packaging spec for Linux, then I think that that's going to be a huge incentive for them to not bother with Linux. I mean, it's it's a it's a it's an incentive I think for Linux developers to not bother packaging stuff up for Linux. Linus Torvalds himself has said that. You know, just people don't want to bother because the the delivery method is all over the place, and so people just kind of wander off and they say, you know what? There's the source code. And if you want to know my theory, I think I think Linux is a little bit. I think we're being a little bit naive because when Linux started, open source, I don't think I think it was a manageable pool. You know, I think that that people probably could look. I mean, look, when Linux first came out, everything that you needed for your, for, you know, everything that you could have was on the disk. I mean, it's still that way with Slackware. Like, the OS, Slackware, the operating system, it comes on a 4.7 gig DVD or whatever it is, and that is when you do an install PKG or Slack PKG, there's a, a certain expectation that you are installing a package from the disk, or at, you know, at, at least from the ftp.slackware.com site, where they have all their packages that are, hey, they're on your disk. It's, it's, the extra stuff is at Slack builds, or the internet. And that, and that's, so that's when, when Linux started, that was a realistic thing. There was like, hey, we're Linux, there's a fair amount of open source stuff out there, we can't count them on two hands, or two hands and two feet, but, but we can, we can visualize them. We know where they live, we have them in our Rolodex, we, we got it. Nowadays, it's 2018, 
as of this recording. There is a place called GitHub that is so popular that, from what I've heard, apparently, some people think that it basically is open source. I, I've That has not been my experience, but that's what people are saying online, so it must be true. GitHub, hugely popular. Everything on there is open source. Now, in theory, according to the people who say, well, Linux needs packaging, and, and that's what your package maintainers are for, and that's what that's that's the model, then everything on GitHub should be packaged, right? Like, everything else, everything out there on GitHub should be, practically everything on GitHub, should should be, have an RPM and a .deb and preferably some other thing assigned to it. And, and it would be pretty freaking cool if there was a, a thing in GitHub where, or in GitLab or, or any number of, of such public co code hosters where you could, like, as part of your automated uh, testing routine, your Jenkins stuff, you know, you could, like, put a little check mark by generate RPM, generate .deb. That would be amazing. Then every every time you press the release button, which there isn't a release button, but if there was a release button, um, you know, if you if you do your git commit with a tag as a release, that's that's generally what those code hosting sites are programmed to see a release as is a, a dash dash tag um, that you push. So once you do that, you know, then then hey, it, it kicks off its little web hooks and it builds your software and generates an RPM or a .deb. So you you go to the release page and there there it is the source code the tar file the rpm the deb and and the, you know the .exe and the dot um, whatever Mac is using these days I don't even know um, but yeah so I mean that would be amazing but that doesn't happen and and so it's it's I think it's naive it's just naive it's it's pretending like we can somehow even with I mean Debian has something like I don't know 150,000 packages in their repository let's say not really but let's say that they do maybe they do I don't know I haven't actually looked but I don't think it's that high. But there's a lot. There's a lot of packages there. It still doesn't have everything. I, I happen to know this as a for a fact that it doesn't have everything, and I also know for a fact that it doesn't have all of the latest versions of everything. Therefore, we are discouraging people from using open source, uh, an open source stack, a Linux from the bottom up. We're discouraging people from using it because we don't have the installers for the things that they want to run on their system. And when we don't have the installer that they want for their system, we also aren't providing them a system by which they may generate one easily for themselves, no matter who they are. And that's a shortcoming. I do believe that that's a shortcoming. We need to fix that. And I think app image is a good way to to fix that. I think putting app images in upstream's hands is giving them a tool that says, hey, don't worry about what we've got going on on our side of the fence. Like, don't worry about our little clubs and our little tribes that we've got over here. Just generate that app image based on rel 7 and and throw it over the fence and we'll we'll take it from there. Easy. I think that some easier packaging method for people to be able to install something that they can build themselves would be really nice. Something easier for instance than rpm or .deb. Something I don't know why I say rpm but then I say .deb. Why not just rpm and deb? I don't know. Um easier than those, you know, something like uh, just a make pkg command. I think I think arch or gentoo or something also has a make pkg command. I don't think it's the same. It might be the same. I'm not sure. But it's, it's sublime. It's a wonderful thing. If you can compile it and put it into one place, then you can make a package out of it. Simple as that. That's important. And it's the end of the show. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you next time.
listening to GNU World Order. My name is Klaatu. That is spelled K-L-A-A-T-U. You can reach me by email, klaatu at member.fsf, as in freesoftwarefoundation.org. You can also find me on IRC, on the irc.freenode.net network, as not klaatu. I'm usually in channels like Slacker Media, and Augcast Planet. Or you can direct message me, I have no problem with that. Finally, you can contact me on Mastodon. I'm on mastodon.xyz slash at notclatu. Coffee.